This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Series of offensive plays that ended up with an interception, and the Falcons knelt uh, knelt on the ball to uh, to seal a win. And so uh, we are... Left with a, probably another feeling of a game that the Browns had a really legitimate shot to win that they did in fact lose. Uh, just a, a tough place to be. Um, uh, Jake, uh, I'm joined by Jake Burns and Barry McBride. Jake, I'll go to you first for your reaction. Uh, does it feel to you like it felt to me like the, the Browns had this one uh, at, at, at the uh, for the taking and they, they failed to take it? Guess I'm muted. Sorry. This game could have been won. I mean, I mean, that's what that's what it felt like early. I mean, I guess the initial rip, it felt like they weren't ready to play a little bit uh, in terms of we talked about in the pregame red zone, holding teams to field goals and scoring touchdowns on your own end uh, is obviously wildly important. So they that first drive where they didn't get any points on the board looms large. Uh, that obviously hangs in the balance at the end. And then the drive where they were uh, down at the three yard line, first and goal and and uh, went backward and ended up kicking a field goal before half to make it 10-10. So this this these are two teams that are not very good right now. I don't think very good. I think the Browns are uh, okay. They're not very good. They're not among the league's best, and I don't think Atlanta is either, and the Browns just missed too many opportunities. I didn't think that they were – the first quarter caught them. Uh, you know, Atlanta punched them in the mouth. They, caught a, they got a fumble. And I mean, listen, it, I, I don't really have anything to say other than I kind of expect some of these in the early season for them. They – are trying to figure out who they are. They're playing with a quarterback who's pretty limited. They, they they didn't capitalize on opportunities today, and Kevin wasn't at his best. I didn't think Stefanski had a great game calling plays. So, yeah, I mean, it was right there for the taking, though. That's what's frustrating. Two The two losses they've had this year. The NFL, though, is it's a, such a small window for error. You know, it's just it's it, these games flip on a couple plays because these these all these great athletes on the field. So I don't have anything to say to cheer you up. A lot of people in the comments are pissed off. I get it. Like it's a frustrating <laughs> loss. And you've seen this yeah. probably some, so many times in your Browns fandom, but they lost. They, they didn't, the, the, the Falcons made enough plays. The Browns didn't make enough. That's what it comes mm-hmm. down to a couple turnovers from the Browns. Atlanta didn't have, uh, you know, the turnovers that, uh, that Cleveland was able to, uh, to manifest didn't result in many points. So, that's kind of what you get. I think if you're looking at it, I don't have the stats up in front of me, but I'm sure you do, Andrew, but I think it was a couple turnovers for each team or Cleveland had two. So yeah, I mean, two turnovers for Cleveland, the, the Njoku fumble touchdown right after the interception at the end doesn't give him a chance to kick a field goal. That's it. I mean, Atlanta has one interception. The Browns only kicked that field goal after that interception. So that's what it comes down to teams. I mean, Cleveland out outgained them by a hundred yards or so and uh, ended up with what the formula was, I mean, Andrew, when you look at it, man, we talk about the formula, more rushing. Mm -hmm. I mean, more total yards, 70 plays to 50 plays and 10 more minutes of possession. But they turned it over twice and they didn't capitalize on drives. They had a drive in downside the three yard line and they had a drive where they should have scored a touchdown and they ended up kicking a field goal. That's the difference. That's three points. That's three and and four. That's 27 Mm -hmm. or 30 to 23. So that's what it comes down to, man. They just didn't make the plays they needed to make to win it. Simple enough. Yep. I think that's that's a great and and shout out to uh, Sir Bradlist in chat three times within the Atlanta five yard line, 
and you get 10 points total. That is yep. not uh, winning football, and I think that's a, a great summary to me. That feels like the story of the game. Um, I, 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 it feels like this game more than any other so far is really falls at the feet of the offense uh, and, and the failure of, of the, the team to both cash in on red zone opportunities and also you know, a few three and outs where they couldn't afford to have three and outs. Uh, Barry, does that sound right to you? You know, this is I, – I, I disagree a little bit. Okay. Um, this is the NFL in 2022, right? Teams are very evenly, evenly matched uh, because of the way that the league is structured. And so, you know, as Jake said, the margin for error is very slim, right? You can't screw things up. And in my opinion, there are a couple things that are screwed up. And it's stuff that we called out a while back. Um, and I don't know anything, but this is what <laughs> I was able to see. We have a very thin defensive tackle group uh, that was, you know, somewhat dubious heading into the season. Uh, you down Taven Bryan, and you have uh, a thin and weak defensive tackle group that can get run into the ground. And that's what the, the Atlanta Falcons did uh, later in the game. I mean, there's no excuse in today's NFL for a team to be able to have 70, you know, get 70 yards and seven plays all running on the ground, right? And that's something that we should have seen coming. Uh, there are very, you know, any of your defensive uh, starting defensive tackles get hurt, you are in uh, trouble if you're the Cleveland Browns. And then the second thing that just ticks me off is that uh, broken coverage uh, mm -hmm. where you had a guy without anyone within 10, 15 yards of him. Jake knows the X's and O's. I don't. <laughs> he can tell you probably, you know, after looking at the All-22, why that happened. I can't do that. All I know is that a guy standing that wide open means that something is seriously wrong, and this is a problem that was flagged a couple of weeks ago, mm -hmm. right? Busted coverage. And no changes were made, at least that I'm aware of, and it happened again. So, you know, I'm sorry that I'm off on a rant a little bit here, but it seemed to me that two of the things that went wrong and badly wrong uh, were, were stuff that even amateurs like myself, you know, a fan with a website could, <laughs> could, could tell you what was, uh, what, what was going to happen. I don't know. That's my rant is over. I'm done. Uh, I, I, I've exhausted my uh, original thoughts for the game. There you go. I think, I mean, I think there's, there's a lot of validity to, to the idea that the, the, we spent a lot of the off season talking about the defensive tackle room and the lack of depth. And I think part of the problem there is, I mean, Jordan Elliott seems to be at least a replacement level starting player in the NFL now, but Tommy Togiai in his second season doesn't seem like he's taken much of a step forward. And, and so not, not only is it that the, the depth isn't there, but the players that they've drafted to be players don't, don't really seem to be the players that they hope that they would be. So um, you know, you've invested three draft picks in 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 players Elliot, Winfrey, and Togiai, and these aren't players that you feel like you can really depend on. So, um, uh, Jake, I, you made a great point on Twitter during the game, talking about how much the the Browns uh, missed Miles Garrett and, and uh, Jadevian Clowney against the wide zone runs uh, at, at the defensive end position. Talk about that a little bit and how that specific issue uh, really bit the Browns in those those last. Uh, few drives where the Falcons basically couldn't be stopped running the ball. Yeah. Teams don't run it wide because they know they can't, they can't set an edge. Uh, they can't, they can't really do what they want to do wide zone stuff with those two defensive ends. So they don't do it. And, and Atlanta was able to do it. 
with relative ease and uh, not not just you know the three different courses i talk about them all the time you can bounce it you can bang it up inside or bend it backside and like if you don't have a great point of attack player which the jets just scored and they're going to beat the steelers so that should make i don't know if that makes anyone else feel better but um i'll take it the um the situation is where like the the run game decision teams make is dictated by how the browns d line is set up so that is a huge deterrent and it kind of limits the way teams can run. And it, it just gives a level of predictability to what the, the other team can do. So, um, you know, that, that is a factor. It's not the only factor, but it is a factor uh, in this game, but you can't make excuses. And I know you're not Andrew. It's just, and I'm not really trying to on my end either, but it's just the, that's just how it is. It's just how they're set up. So, um, you know, what I would, would consider and what I would think that they would consider is how do we figure out ways to stop that? Do we need a five-man front, bare front? Do we need to do some different stuff like that going forward? Because today was an embarrassment, like an embarrassment in that regard. And they, it's not like they're going to always have Miles and Clowney. Like injuries happen in the league. It's just it's just the nature of the business. So they, they definitely have to figure out some sort of answer. But I was not surprised. I was actually surprised it took Atlanta so long to get people in there, uh, such as Huntley and uh, Algier who could, who could handle a little bit of what I thought the Browns struggled with. So um, not surprised by that. Uh, I thought even though the Browns gave up 202 rushing yards, they only gave up 23 points and I thought they had a chance to win the game. If they could have just the thing about the busted coverage is that play they're covering forever. And I know I get it. You're right. Like I understand uh, the point is, is, is the point and they shouldn't bust it, but like, watch Mariota just be able to cleanly drift out of the pocket left. Like the contain and rush lane stuff was embarrassing today. That was the single worst thing today was how they tried, how, how they handled rush lanes and how they got after the quarterback. It's not so much not getting home. It is in my opinion, at least the, the ability for the quarterback to get out and create time. Cause if you create time, it's just so easy to find people. You're always going to bust his own coverage after six seconds. It's just, it's just how it goes. So you can't, they, they were bad there. They were bad. So yeah. And, but again, it's like, if people are just going to overreact, it's, it's the fourth game of the year, Baltimore's two and two Pittsburgh's one and three Bengals are two and two. Like, yeah, I get it. You're mad. I'm mad. I would much rather they won, but nothing is, nothing's lost. The season's not over. We get rally, figure it out, come back and play the chargers next week. And maybe you beat them and just go from there. Like, what do you, what's your choice? Fire everybody. And it's all over. No, like that's not how it works. They have smart, they have good people running this thing. They maybe didn't perform as well as you wanted them to perform today, but they have good people doing their job. So just, just let it run its course, man. So it, it's, it's frustrating today and we can talk and we'll go over it all week at the OBR. Why it happened the way it happened. But at the crux of it is they just didn't make enough plays. They didn't make enough plays and they didn't have enough quality players out there to do it. So that's my thought. Yep. Yeah, uh, well, I know that, Barry, you were resistant to the idea that the offense didn't do enough, but I do want to talk a little bit about the offense. Um, the the you know running game looked solid again with Nick Chubb uh, leading the way. Uh, uh, Kareem Hunt also ran the ball well. Um, and Jacoby Brissett played, played pretty well in the first half, but really struggled in the second half uh, on a few drives and, and, and had a few missed throws that we hadn't really seen from him since the Carolina game. Uh, the plays were there to be made, and he wasn't able to make them. And so... Uh, it was an up and down day for the offense. And, um, I think probably not to the standard that we've expected, but I think also, uh, you know, to Jake's point, there were some, some play calls from Stefanski that, uh, you know, I think had a lot of us scratching our heads, such as a, uh, running a reverse to a tight end, uh, is not one that I've seen called too many times before. Um, what were your thoughts overall about the play of the offense, Barry? I thought that Brissett did, I, I guess, as well as he could when you assume that his top, 
target was taken away by good defensive cornerback play. You know, Cooper didn't contribute very much uh, during that game, unfortunately. And we don't have a whole heck of a lot of weapons uh, in that wide receiver room. Uh, you know, Njoku made a couple of good plays, but um, I, I really think that uh, there is to a certain degree an element of, you know, taking your hats off to the Atlanta Falcons uh, defensive secondary, not the whole defensive secondary, but their cornerback uh, who was on, who was on Cooper. Um, you know, beyond that, I was halfway through the game. I wasn't, you know, cursing Stefanski's name. You know, I thought that, that, you know, yeah, that the tight end uh, reverse uh, did not work, but um, by and large, I thought our offense was, running on time, just something happened in the second half. And again, I'm not an X's and O's guy, so I can't tell you defensively what the adjustments made, were made by the Atlanta Falcons, but clearly some adjustments were made because things went downhill in the second half. Yeah. Yeah. There, there were, there felt like there were plays to be made in the second half that, uh, that weren't made. And, and, and Jake, one of the things that I think is, is uh, concerning to me is the Browns have had, one of the most consistent and efficient uh, screen games in the NFL over the past few years under Kevin Stefanski. And I think they were over on uh, successful screens this week. Um, they, the, 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 did the Falcons do something different to, to keep the Browns out of those or what, what was, what was at the root of their inability to get any of those screens going? Uh, yeah, the Falcons did a great job of squatting in the passing window for them. They had a great, their tackles were coat. They're sorry. Their edges were coached up that when they, they felt screened, they were going to be sitting on it. They sat on tight ends. They sat on running backs. They knocked down a few of them. The one before half, like, you know, there was one before half or the first down throw. I'm thinking it was first or second down. I actually think it was second down. They, it was on the three yard line, second down. They had a straight drop throw that, which I thought was Kevin's worst call of the day. When you're on this three yard line, you have, you have to use either your power football stuff that you have because they, they came out with seven offensive linemen and like shifted into a uh, single back look with Froholt as like the left uh, wing back. Uh, it was really strange and they didn't run play action. Straight dropped off it with very basic routes. So I, I don't really I didn't really understand that one. So um, again, I don't I you uh, if you come to me to nitpick and hire fire coaches person, you're the wrong, I'm not I'm not that guy. I just. I, I think I reward creativity. I know like some things like the David and play didn't work, but you you try it. If it if it works, it great. You're the hero. If not, you're the you're the person who's an idiot. And that's kind of the nature of play calling. They picked up a first down, I think the next play or something like that. So it's like uh, I get it. Uh, but but th that was his worst call. But then the second down call in second and fifteen because it was a holding because he scrambled out of the pocket. They had a screen dialed up that would have probably resulted in at least close to a touchdown. So, yeah, I, I just think that Atlanta played screens well, and I think everybody should be playing screens like that against Cleveland. Like, you know, I mean, they, they're a screen team, and I would I think that they prefer to, to, to play it that way, that if you feel like if there's somebody coming upfield, you feel like there's a player, uh, you know, your, your tackles, you'll know your inside guys are disappearing, like you can see it out of your peripheral, uh, hands up, knock the ball down, get in his lane, because what happens is this is something that's not known, and, and again, this is – a bit strange. The NFL has a different illegal man downfield rule than college and high school. So you have to like, okay, for example, last week, I don't know if you guys recall, I talked about it all week on my pod. The, the Steelers ran a shovel pass first drive out of the second half. They ran a shovel pass that resulted in 30 yards, but Ch uh, Ch Chuck Chuck's for who would, that was the play. He did the flop on Anthony Walker was a, like a step, almost a step, just barely a step 
too far downfield. So I was like, okay, it's caught behind the line of scrimmage. What's it matter? It's a, it's just behind the line of scrimmage. The NFL doesn't work that way. Your guys have to be in a one yard halo across the line of scrimmage when the ball is thrown in order for it to be legal. So you can't pump fake it and, and, and like try to get away and then throw it again, unless your O lineman just float laterally, laterally down the line. And if you can't throw it, you got to either, you just got to, got to get down. You got to either like Jacoby, I think another one they squatted on, took it away from him and they couldn't throw it, and he scrambled. So, yeah, like Atlanta just did a great job. And I was what I was most surprised of was that Kevin kept going back to it. I thought mm-hmm. a middle screen might have been effective because then you're not relying on edge guys sniffing it out. You have big guys in the middle charging up field, and you can middle screen them a little bit. But he went to the well on screens a lot, and Atlanta was sniffing them out, man. So, um, you know, it's a hard thing to do, call plays in the NFL. It's hard. And, and some days you're just going to have a clunker. And I haven't listened to anything Kevin said, but I'm sure he's going to be really hard on himself because I don't think he did a good job. And I would put this in probably the worst five games he's called in Cleveland. But it's a huge sample size. Life mm-hmm. keeps going. He's pretty good at this a lot. So, you know, he had a rough game. I, I, I think that even though he had a rough game, they should have still won this one. So, Um, But I'm sure, like I said, I'm sure he will be really hard on himself over this one. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Yeah, it's the ups and downs of the NFL, uh, for sure. You know, we were singing his praises on this very show uh, uh, ten days ago after the P- Pittsburgh game because he had he had the Pittsburgh defense in a blender all night long, and it was a thing of beauty to watch. And so before we were, you using- know, I think yeah, Dean Pease ate a little bit of his lunch today. And I thought, you know, to your point, Jake, I thought especially to go back to a screen call on that last drive when they had to have it. Um, you know, they they were they were stalling there uh, at midfield in field goal range. And then called a screen, and then um, and then Brissett took a sack, and then threw a pick, and it really, that's when things really unraveled. But I, I thought going back to the well one last time there on the final drive is tough. But you understand it because, you know, if one of those hits, as as you pointed out with the screen in the red zone, you know that was probably a touchdown if if they're able to complete that. But that's the 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 risk reward there of the uh, of the call. Um, the other the other thing on on the offense that I wanted to come back to uh, Barry is. You know the the uh, 
the 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 struggles more generally in the red zone. Um, the the you know this, we we talked about that sequence at the beginning, at, at, you know, just before half where they were only able to get a field goal. But of course, first drive of the game, uh, the Browns marched the ball right down the field, a very uh, successful first drive, and had the ball uh, inside the five yard line, uh, first and goal, and came away with no points after going for it on fourth down. Um, overall, what was your impression of the? the offense in the, in the red zone. Um, do you, I mean, I know that you're generally supportive of, of being aggressive on fourth down, but how did that feel to you uh, passing up the field goal there? It, uh, it made sense to me at the time, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you can always look back at it and uh, uh, criticize it, but I figured as a lot of us did, that this was going to be a very high scoring affair, right? And uh, if you have a chance to get seven, you go after seven. And if not, you leave them on the four or three or two yard line and you hope your defense can hold them back there and you can get the ball back with a with a short field. It it, it made sense to me, given the way we thought the game was going to turn out. Right. So I wasn't all that fired up about it. Uh, what I'm fired up about yeah. is um, <laughs> well, there's a couple of things I'm fired up about. But one thing that fired me up is that uh, even I. Uh, a uh, you know fan with a website uh, basically said that the Cleveland Browns have to stop Grady Jarrett all day long. And I'm not upset with them for how they handled Jarrett. I thought they, by and large, did a good job, but they allowed one play. And for the second straight, straight week, Grady Jarrett got a sack on someone that altered the, the flow of the game, altered the outcome of the game, right? And we allowed that to happen. And so, you know, I don't expect Teller and Posick and Petonio to be perfect all the time. He's a very good player. But if we had not allowed him through on that one play, uh, this game might have turned out differently. As we go back to a very fine line between success and failure in the NFL, and uh, I was upset to see uh, Jarrett be the cause uh, of our downfall. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a great point that that was that was foreseen ahead of time uh, that he was going to be an issue. And, you know, I, I think to, to give him some credit, big players make uh, big plays in uh, yeah. big situations. And, and he certainly did there in a situation where the, the quarterback can't afford to take a sack. And, and he and he did. Um, uh, Jake, I, I'm sure you'll be covering this on, on your Tuesday show, uh, breaking down the all 22 and looking at what what they weren't able to get done in the red zone. But it was certainly a, a frustrating uh, day for them in that part of the field. Yeah, it was, man. I just thought the sequencing was a little strange. I, I thought uh, um, I have to go back and watch it because I'm, I'm with my I didn't do playback, as you guys know. So I was with my family and sometimes that stuff can be uh, a little hard to, to move or, you know, all that stuff. But but they the sequencing was weird and they they weren't their usual selves down there in terms of taking advantage of mirroring run and pass. So um they 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 live and die by putting up touchdowns instead of field goals down there in that part of the field so uh, i was a little bummed to see that outcome for sure yeah i I think it it is a it's a it's an area that they they haven't struggled with a a bunch this year but it it did show up today in in a very uh bad time just you know we i think we should also take a minute to talk about nick chubb uh you know another great game for nick chubb and it and it is you know it i it's it's a lot like Miles Garrett, you know. Um, when he's on the field, you you can kind of start to take for granted what he's able to do. Uh, but he had a great game today in his uh, return to uh, you know to Georgia. Uh, 19 carries, 118 yards uh, with a touchdown. 
and uh, you know just just spent a lot of the day uh, you know making people miss at the line of scrimmage and then getting five or six or seven yards. And so one of his more efficient performances in my mind, just uh, just always making the first guy miss. And so uh, credit to him. And and I think you know there, there's there's I think some fair questions being asked of, about whether or not the run could have been a little bit more involved in that two minute drill to to finish the game. Uh, they certainly had time. But, uh, you know, didn't choose to go to it that much other than I think there was one Kareem Hunt run there. So, um, you know, that, I think that's a frustration. But, uh, but Barry, it, is, it continues to be a lot of fun just to have this guy on, on the team and, and watch him do what he does. Yeah, and, and Kareem Hunt as well. I mean, Kareem yeah. Hunt is a uh, ball of chaos out there in the field and <laughs> Chubb just runs. But, you know, you should note that on the touchdown run, uh, of I think it was about 20 yards, um, Chubb wasn't touched, right? Yes. I mean, he, he took the right lane and he, he exploded through it, but you got to give credit to the Browns offensive line. I believe it was on the left side. So that'd be Wills and Betonio over mm-hmm. there. Again, I haven't watched the play over, so I can't tell you for sure, but, uh, credit to the offensive line there, uh, for, uh, for their work also in that. Now, if they had just kept Grady Jarrett out of the backfield late in the game, uh, we'd be talking about what a wonderful performance that was. Uh, but uh, Chubb is great, a lot of fun, uh, hunt the same way, offensive line, very good at run blocking, but um, uh, just not enough today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think that summarizes it, and I think you're right to call out the offensive line as well. A great, great job by the offensive line for the most part today. Brissett kept clean until that last – uh, pivotal sack uh, on the last drive. So uh, another good game by the offensive line. And uh, worth noting, I, I've been watching the tweets come in from Stefanski's press conference. It doesn't sound like the Browns left with any notable injuries. So that's good news in terms of another week to get healthy. Uh, hopefully, uh, you know, during the broadcast, the announcer said that Garrett and Clowney uh, should are both expected to be back next week against the Chargers, which would obviously change the complexion of the defense significantly. So uh, relatively good news on uh, on health there. Uh, I thought this was an interesting uh, question um, in, in, in chat here from uh, Twitch Talk 22. Should we have gone for it on that fourth and seven in the fourth quarter? Uh, they punted, and then Ronnie Harrison <laughs> caught the ball at the 10 instead of letting it roll to the two, one, two or one yard, yard line. Um, but they had, a, they had an opportunity there to go for it uh, around midfield and, and potentially continue to drive uh, that, that you know, would have at that point it was tied 2020. So they, they, you know, they would have either taken the lead with a field goal or a touchdown. Uh, Jake, any thoughts on that? It's a, it's a high risk play. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't have hated it to put it that way. I mean, it's a little out of the comfort range, but I wouldn't have hated it. But I also did. I think it was, I don't know what the bot says, the go for it bot says, but I would imagine it's pretty close to a coin flip. there. probably tilts toward punting. And if Ronnie Harrison can just, instead of standing at the 10 back up to the one, (laughs) Yeah, I get it. Everybody's bummed about, well, they would have got it anyway. I, I mean, like, to me, you don't know that. You, yeah. they, they, being on the one-yard line changes everything. So, changes you know, for sure. Yeah, yes. yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, like I said, I think this one, the coaches will probably take blame for this game. Like, they, mm-hmm. they, they should. I mean, and it happens. It's like some games I think the players fail. Some games I think the coaches fail. So, I think in this one, I think they probably feel like, you know, we didn't get the job done. So, um that happens though. That doesn't mean that everyone has to be fired. It doesn't mean that the world is over. Everyone's right. two and two. Like it's going to be another day to come up and fight. And if they're better next weekend, we'll all be feeling better. So yep. uh, tough loss though. Really tough. Yep. yep. And I, you know, I, I, I 
with, at the risk of piling on, I think it is worth mentioning that, you know, that's a, that's a special team's mistake again, uh, to not let that ball get inside the five. Uh, I looked it up, uh, tie game 2020 fourth and six on the Atlanta 44, the fourth down bot had it as a go for it situation, uh, with 1.3, uh, win percentages added win percentage added. So, uh, they, yeah, they had it as a slight lean, not a, not a strong, uh, lean, but, uh, they've got it as a medium lean. So, uh, worth looking at there. They also had, um, that, that then when the Falcons had a fourth and three, they decided to kick the field goal. Um, they had that as a field goal try. So the right decision there. So, yeah, I, I think, um, you know, Stefanski definitely made the right decision going for it. Fourth and short, uh, first drive of the game as Barry talked about earlier, but, you know, may have, may have left, uh, a little bit of win probability on the field. They're late uh, deciding to punt that ball away. And uh, to Jake's point, I think it changes the way we feel about that punt if they down it inside the five, because I think it t- changes the way the Falcons play offense, especially with the way Mariota tends to run around. I, I think they'd probably be pretty conservative inside the five. Um, one, one, one other area that I wanted to address is the, uh, in terms of the defense, you know, the secondary played really well considering how uh, much the defensive line struggled. Uh, the run defense, as we have mentioned, was bad all game, and, and there's lots of reasons for that, both scheme and personnel, and of course the injuries to Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney, but the, the secondary played really well, and, and uh, Denzel Ward got an interception when the Browns absolutely needed a turnover. Um, you, you see the numbers on your screen there. That's, that's a very strong game from a secondary against an Atlanta uh, Falcons uh, defense that was, or offense, I'm sorry, that was a top 10 passing unit coming into this game. Uh, Barry, of course, you made the, the, the point earlier that they, they blew a coverage when they absolutely couldn't afford to. And that's um, an exhausting theme at this point in the season. Three out of the four <laughs> games uh, late in the game, they have they've given up a, a long pass that has cost them points and, and directly led to them losing the game. Uh, but overall, um, you, you know, I, I don't know how uh, to parse. And I'm sure, as, as we've said, we'll we'll parse this out as the week goes on how much of the, the failure of the passing game was on the Browns secondary and how much was just that the, that Mariota had a fairly rough game. Uh, but, but your thoughts overall on how the secondary played. Yeah, I, I think you, you hit it there at uh, late um, that Mariota had a bad game. Uh, You know, Ward got away with a couple of things during the game too. He got away with at least uh, one arguable interference uh, call. Um. So he had sort of a fortunate game. He sort of redeemed himself at one point with the uh, interception. Uh, but it was a pretty mixed bag based on, you know, what I saw. Um, that the um, Atlanta passing attack was so inept with so little pressure put on them from, the, from our edge rushers, uh, to me, is very telling. Uh, I expected Mariota to light it up. You know, I really did with his receivers, with, uh, you know, the the Browns uh, defensive line uh, not putting a lot of pressure on him. Elliott got some pressure on him late. But uh, with all that, I expected him to light it up. And all I can say is I just don't think he had a very good day. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, And, you know, our secondary deserves some credit. I, again, would need to watch the game again to really see how many times we blanketed a receiver or broke up a pass versus Mariota, Mariota just missing. Mm. Uh, but to me, that was the biggest surprise of the game is just how inept the Atlanta Falcons uh, passing game seemed. Yeah. Do you mind, do you mind if I um, uh, 
redirect here in a second. I got a question for Jake please. as well. Please. All right. Jake, um, you are the uh, uh, not a guy who pins blame, you know, who wants coaches to be fired. Uh, I'm the opposite of that. You know, I get all upset after a loss and panic and freak out and, and try to assign blame. Mm-hmm. My question is, you know, when the Falcons uh, brought in Caleb Huntley, who averaged seemingly 10 yards a play, right? Uh, and they were so effective running the ball. Should Is that something that fans should blame on Woods? Or is that something the fans should blame on thinness of the defensive interior for the Cleveland Browns? Because to me, that's, that's where I put it. And I, I just don't know enough about how Woods can compensate for that to yeah. say, oh, it's, it's, it's Woods' fault. Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, three things come to mind. One, you're missing your two edge guys. They're running edge, edge stuff is what they're best at. Uh, Atlanta is. They're just like Cleveland. They're a wide zone base. They want to do that. You lose those two guys, it matters. Just not as good of players. Second lining is – uh, in my opinion, did they go to base a lot? Did they put more backers on the field? I think so. I have to rewatch it because you have, if you're getting run on, you need to match some personnel stuff. If you're not matching personnel and you're playing nickel against uh, two or three tight ends or whatever, whatever, then there's some review there and we'd have to talk about that. But I feel like they were putting three backers on the field. I saw it's only talking talking a lot. And if he comes on the field, he's their Sam, he's their third backer. The last thing is you, you got to ask Andrew Barry some questions. Like, I think mm-hmm. you do have to ask, are they giving you enough good players along the interior to handle that stuff? You know, are the defensive tackles guys that can handle run game stuff and being lateral? Because it's it, what, what I'm seeing is as the lateral run is happening, I'm seeing defensive tackles three, four yards down the field. So that runs into it. So I think, yeah, a lot of things can be blamed on Woods. And I, I, I again, I don't think he's done a great job. And I think there's been coaching malpractice in some things. But when you're matching base personnel to the group that's on the field, when you're playing your best guys, if those guys aren't good enough to get it done and they were sending some run blitzes for my first view, I mean, you got it. Your personnel department eventually has to take some responsibility too, that the guys out there just aren't good enough in the interior and your second string edge guys, third string, fourth string, whatever, uh, just aren't getting it done. I thought it was, I just thought it was inevitable today. I just felt with where they are right now, the defensive tackle group's not good enough, but if you are an inside backer and you know teams just really do not want to run the ball laterally on Clowney or Miles because they set the edge in a way that is so unique, your thought process of where the ball could be run changes. I know I have to funnel interior run. That's how they operate. When they don't have those guys, it starts to become an exposure of every layer surrounding it. The defensive tackles, obviously the top. I'm telling you right now, if Taven Bryan played, it wouldn't have made a difference. It just wouldn't have made a difference. So – yeah, I think there's there's a discussion to be had around should they be getting better at defensive tackle. I think Andrew Barry probably would admit that. Um, they need better players at those positions. So we'll see. Uh, I, I just think that, that I have to go back and watch who was on. My guess is just like all of them, Barry. It's a different guy every play. Maybe a couple plays, it's the same guy. But when run breaks happen like this, 10-play drive, 10 runs, and it was like after that, they sort of started to figure it out. So I'm going to look into why they started to figure it out. But that stretch of, of series, two series there, was really uncomfortable. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there's no doubt, though, that they don't have the talent they need at defensive tackle to be pretty good, uh, to be to be good there. So uh, when you uh, uh, open up the run lanes uh, in terms of, hey, we can run any run concept we want, 
it's pretty humbling. And I think that's a taste of what some teams feel when they play Cleveland, right? Which is not a good, it's not a good feeling. It's pretty dehumanizing. I mean, what do you call it? Emasculating, right? Where they're just, just taking your will on the other side of the ball. So it's not fun, but I am not surprised. What I was surprised, Barry, is that it took so long for Atlanta to figure it out. That's what yeah. caught me by surprise. So yeah. Um, anyway. I'm not sure what was going on with Patterson. Uh, maybe they were just giving him a rest on the sidelines in the, in the second half or whatever, bringing in fresh legs. But uh, uh, at, at any rate, he wasn't getting it done. But as soon as they brought in Huntley, you know, it was a whole different story. I, I, I felt the same way you did about reversal roles. But uh, in my case, it was Ohio State and Rutgers. I watched Ohio State run over Rutgers last night. And, man, it felt like we were Rutgers there in the, in the third quarter. It was painful. Yeah. Really well, beautiful. and that's a good rule of thumb in the NFL. You never want to feel like Rutgers. That's that's <laughs> kind of like a good, that's a good baseline goal for every every team is don't yeah. be the Rutgers in any situation. Um, yeah, I, and I, you know, people in chat are mentioning it. Um, you know, the injuries, obviously Garrett and Clowney, which we've talked about. The one that I think we ought to mention that we haven't talked about is Anthony Walker. Um, you know, I think he was missed uh, today. Uh, Jacob Phillips made a great play on that third down uh, to stop them and hold them to a field goal, but. Uh, but overall, I think I think Anthony Walker's uh, absence was felt uh, in in the run defense, and and I think it, you know I, not to say that the game it's, it changes a loss to a win, but that's another name I think that's worth mentioning when we're talking about how that looked as bad as it looked for for that that stretch. So um, yeah, it's it's tough, and and uh, the. Uh, you know, it's it, it, the the NF, thing about the NFL is you got to go, go do it again next week against the Chargers, and and they certainly proved today against Houston that they will run the ball uh, when given the opportunity. So uh, another uh, stern test for the Browns defense coming up in in seven days back home in Cleveland. So um, I you know just big big picture here, zooming out for a little bit. Uh, the Ravens lost to the Bills uh, twenty three to twenty as well. Um, and uh, Marcus Peters uh, had a had a full meltdown uh, on the, his way off the field, including trying to get into a shouting match with uh, John Harbaugh. So that certainly, uh, I don't know, makes me feel a little bit better. Uh, the Steelers blew a lead against the Jets and Zach Wilson, so the Steelers lost, uh, and they go to one and three. Uh, and and the Bengals obviously did win against Miami on Thursday night, but uh, you know have had started zero and two, so. The Browns, I think by virtue of their 1-0 record in the division, are still technically in first place in the division, even after a, a disappointing showing. But it it leads me to wonder, um, overall, as we look at the big picture after four weeks, does 2-2 two and two feel like a fair record? Uh, Jake, I'll ask you that first. No, I think they've been good enough to be 4-0. I, I really yeah. do. Today Today was the the worst they've been. They should be 3-1 and one as a baseline. Um they should be four zero though, but but again, you know I I don't know. It's a weird it's a it's a weird league, man. And you got to make the plays. You really you really got to make the plays. So I'm not surprised they're not where they want to be. But uh, I think they have an, a very, in my opinion, very easy argument to be four zero. Three and one baseline. We'd be feeling a lot better though. But yeah, I mean. But what do you do? You can't live in the past now. So you got to get better. You got to get better. You got to figure out what you did wrong and you got to move on. You could sit here and wallow and pity. And, you know, that's what they could have done after week two, but they came out in one week three, right? So figure it out, man. Figure it out. How do you respond to it? You know, you can't change things that are done. You hope they learn from it, but you can't change things that are done. How do you respond to it? That's what I'm always paying attention to. And typically they respond pretty well under Kevin. So I hope they can respond well. Barry, same question to you. Does two and two feel like a fair reflection of where the team's at? 
well, I'm going to wallow for a couple of days. It's what okay. I do. That's it's fair. my thing. Um, but after I'm done wallowing, uh, I will say, you know, it's a mixed bag, right? On one hand, we should be three and one. We expected to be three and one at this juncture. Uh, when we all did our uh, analyses of the schedule, as soon as we were given it, we were saying they got to be three and one at this juncture. But the reason that we were saying that is because the AFC North was considered to be so powerful that, you know, in order to win your division, which as Fred says is the certain way to get to the playoffs or win your division, you had to be three and one at that point. But that's not how it's turned out. The Bengals have stumbled out of the gate. The Steelers are looking great from my perspective. They're doing exactly what I want them to. Uh, the Ravens are going to be tough, but they're two and two as well. So uh, the AFC North is there for the taking uh, still, despite a start that is uh, a little bit disappointing relative to where we wanted it to be. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a good way to put it, Barry. And it, it puts into perspective that, that although it hasn't gone to, to plan for what the Browns needed it to be, it also hasn't for other teams. And so that gives them a little more leeway, but it also, it, it, you know, you can, of course, the way this works, you can flip that around and say, well, this was their golden opportunity to build a, a, a lead, yeah. a little bit of cushion in the division. And they failed to do that. And the schedule gets considerably harder. Now they've got the chargers at home and the Patriots at home, and then two more division games to, to wrap out the first uh, wrap up the first half of the schedule. So um, yeah, I, I think that, uh, they haven't played like a two and two team to this point. They've played better than that, but um, they have shown the sort of bad habits that that teams sometimes show that lose them games uh, in attention to detail in crucial moments and um, and an inability to 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 uh, to finish games. I mean, the, the Carolina game is is kind of the exception. They've had an opportunity both against the Jets and against the Falcons to finish a game and win, and they failed to do it two times. So I think it that that leaves a pretty sour taste in your mouth um, when, when you think about, you know, the fact that a, a rookie kicker bailing them out with a 58 yard field goal is the only thing that stands between them and a very bad start to the season. So um, yeah, it's, it's uh, I, 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 I think, you know, Bill Parcells, excuse me, Bill Parcells said it best. You are what your record says you are. So I'll, I'll say that they are a two and two team as much as it hurts to admit that. Um, uh, I'll, I'll go around the room one more time for any last thoughts. I think we're just about, but just about done here. Uh, Jake, any last thoughts from you? I don't think so, man. I think we okay. covered just about everything we can cover. And, um, and I, and I, and I, again, I get, I get why everybody is uh, upset. You have a right to be upset and all of that. I think that's all very fair. I, I certainly think that's all very fair. Uh, but, but again, season will move forward tomorrow and you shouldn't pack it up and send it home just yet, in my opinion. So yep. it's not over. It's, it's still early. That's a good reminder. Barry, how about you? Last thoughts? Uh, I'm here for the duration. So, uh, you know, uh, have been for the last 23 years and further back before the betrayal. Uh, so I think I'm going to stick it out uh, and last with them through all 16 games. Um, we've been far worse than two and two uh, at this point in the season in years past. And we're getting a couple of our guys back. Uh, we're seven games away from having a franchise quarterback for the first time in, in 23 years. So there is some reason to be optimistic and keep going despite our frustration and tendency to wallow uh, based on what we had today. So let's keep going. Uh, we'll keep the OBR running and, and move forward. 
<laughs> I like it. Optimism from both Jake Burns and Barry McBride. And uh, we appreciate everybody joining us. Uh, disappointing loss for the Browns today, uh, 23-20 in Atlanta. But uh, we will be back. As, as Barry said, we're not going to stop doing this. So we'll be back tomorrow with, uh, well, I'm sure there will even be some stuff up on the website yet today. Uh, certainly Fred Greetham's piece on the game will be up uh, soon uh, that you can check out and possibly some analysis as well. And then uh, tomorrow, obviously, will be uh, just one piece after another of great content uh, covering the Browns uh, from every angle. And then tomorrow night, uh, the Monday Night Rewind uh, with uh, Mike Keefe at the helm. And uh, a lot of this will be discussed, and uh, we'll, we'll have a day's worth of time to digest what's happened, and, and we'll dig into it some more then. So thank you for joining us today. Uh, disappointing that the Browns weren't able to get the win, but uh, we will be back at it tomorrow, uh, breaking it all down from every angle. So thank you, and good night. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.